In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We are in the first week of the second month. The second month of the Coptic New Year, so it's a new month with a new theme. What's the first month of the Coptic New Year? Of the Coptic year? Tooth, second month? Tooth, bed. Okay, hopefully we have this in our mind. It's not from the Coptic Church, you know, that this wasn't, these months weren't created for, by the Coptic Church. It was created by the ancient Egyptians. Uh, and the ancient Egyptians in their farming, this were the months, and these months, some of them are named after even some of the ancient gods, but the Coptic Church used it uh, as it was coming to the culture of the Egyptians, and it has remained with us till this day. Uh, for example, we don't argue about what day is Christmas. It's not December 25th, and it's not January 7th. It's Kiyach, the 29th of Kiyach. So we're not even in the, the world of September, October, November. We're in the Tooth Beba Hatur world. Uh, I know it's a little confusing sometimes, but um, it's just good to kind of keep that in the back of our heads. Number two, uh, as we are starting this new month, and we have this beautiful gospel, I want to remind you of the themes of the year that we're going through. The theme of the year is Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. The theme is that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed by His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So we look to this first, this first gospel, that I may know Him, that I may know Him. This is the part of the verse. What do we learn about Jesus Christ? And what do we learn more about Jesus Christ in this passage? We learn that Christ is the forgiveness of sins. Christ is the forgiveness of sins. Now, we know that Christ grants us the forgiveness of sins. But the next level that we have to understand is that Christ is the forgiveness of sins. And what's the difference? What's the difference is that when He forgives us our sins, when He forgives us our sins, it is not that He grants us something like, a, like a, an absolution or, or a, a, a decree, your sins are forgiven. No. He becomes for us the forgiveness of sins through His sacrifice on the cross. He becomes the sacrificial lamb. Think about the Old Testament. Think about everything that happens in the Old Testament, especially the sacrifices of the Old Testament. The sacrifice of the Old Testament is what would bring what was requested from the Lord or what would be the forgiveness of sins in that case. And here Christ becomes the forgiveness of sins so that we receive forgiveness of sins not by Him saying, I forgive your sins. We receive the forgiveness of our sins by us uniting ourselves with Him. By us uniting ourselves with Him. I'll give you a, a kind of a, a weird example, but hopefully it makes sense. Sometimes people will approach me and say, Abuna, can I confess after liturgy? And I say, okay, because I know sometimes it's hard to find a priest during the week. It's hard to confess and there are things that you want to get out. But when you think about it, after we've partaken of the body and blood of Christ, He is the forgiveness of our sins. What is the value of confession after we've partaken of the body and blood of Christ? Can confession give us anything more than partaking of the body and blood of Christ? Can we get something extra out of confession 
that we didn't get from communion? No. Confession is the step before. Confession is the preparation. And even if I spend the rest of my life confessing and getting absolution from the priest, but I don't take communion, I haven't perfected that confession. It's not quite there. I'm not quite there yet. It is, it is finished, or it is culminated, it is perfected in us receiving the body and blood of Christ. And by the way, mostly all the sacraments are like this. It has to be finished or perfected by partaking of the body and blood. Even, even marriage. Marriage was done, prayed before the liturgy. It was prayed during, after Becker, after the morning raising of incense, and before liturgy. And yes, we say all the prayers of marriage, but the marriage is perfected through their partaking of the body and blood of Christ after they've been married, immediately after they've been married. And so we see that Christ becomes the, 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 the forgiveness of our sins. And this miracle is very important, especially for the Jews. This miracle, this miracle is about what? It's about the coming of the Messiah. This is Mark chapter 2. This is very early on. Mark is very quick in his gospel. But this is one of the first miracles. It, there's miracles in chapter 1. But this one is one of the first miracles that begins to start the problems for Jesus. Because he begins to butt heads with the, the Jewish authorities. He is coming and he's openly declaring himself as the Messiah with this miracle. And in two ways. In the book of Isaiah, it was prophesied in chapter 35 that the blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the lame will leap like a deer, like a heart. The lame will be uh, as, uh, healed as well, be able to walk. This was a clear, one of the clearest signs of the Messiah. But also one of the clearest signs is that only God can forgive sins. Yes, it was done through the priests, but when they say, who, when he says, your sins are forgiven, it's the first thing he says <clears throat> to the paralytic person, your sins are forgiven. This was step number one, and it was a very important step. And in saying that, they say to him, who is this? But they don't say it out loud. There's another miracle here. They don't say it out loud. They say it, they reason in their hearts. So it was a step, forgive sins. But Christ is able, again, to discern their hearts. And in discerning their hearts, he also reveals to them, what's easier to say? If I say your sins are forgiven, what, how do you know? It's easy for me to say that. But that you may know, that what I say is really true. He tells the lame person, rise, take up your bed and walk. So Christ is saying, I'm here. And he begins his ministry as the Messiah, beginning the ministry with this. This miracle of raising the one who is paralyzed. And of also showing that the miracle shows that what he said is also true, that he is the forgiveness of our sins. Christ came to forgive our sins. One of the many things he came to do was to forgive our sins. Sin is what divided us from God. Sin is what divided us from God, separated us, put us in a different area separated our relationship with God, separated from us in a way that we ended up going towards death. And Saint Athanasius, he says about in the, in the paradise, when we were together, we were united with 
Christ the Word, and by being united with Him in paradise, we were without death, we were incorruptible. But once that division happened between us and God, then death entered into the world, and then we began to return to what we were. We were nothing. And we began to return towards that nothingness. So when Christ comes to forgive us our sins, He, he comes to take down that middle wall that St. Paul talks about in the Ephesians, to take down that wall between us and Christ, us and God, He takes down that wall and He unites us again. And that is the effect of Him forgiving our sins, taking away our sins. And the forgiveness is now the reconciliation between us and God. And it comes in stages through the ministry of Christ. First, in His incarnation, when He is born, He unites Himself with sinful flesh. He unites Himself with us. God becomes man. That, that is the beginning of His forgiving of our sins. The fact that He is uniting Himself. In many religions, just stop at that point. They cannot understand the idea of God becoming human. And this is a, like a, a full stop for them in their faith, in their understanding of who God is. So God becomes human. And then, in addition to that, He's baptized. Of course, Jesus Christ, the Word of God, is already united with the Holy Spirit. But He, in His baptism, allows humanity to be united with the Holy Spirit. He is standing in front of God as human. And God, but as human as well. And, he, and God sends the Holy Spirit upon Him so that we all, as humans, can receive the Holy Spirit. Another step in the reconciliation. After that, in His miracles, in His, teach, in his teaching, such as these miracles, He is teaching us the way of the one who is to avoid sin, to fight against sin, to run away from sin, to understand the power of sin. What sin does, it's, it's shown in this paralytic. He's paralyzed, completely unable to move. And we know this, if not in our lives and the lives of others, that sin, when it is left, can completely paralyze the spiritual person. And nowadays people are running after psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists because they're severely depressed. But they're not running after the one who is able to release them. Of course, mental illness is, is one of these things that there is mental illness and there is depression. But, and, there, and there are mental things that are happening. Sorry, Dina, I didn't mean to step on anyone's toes here. But the idea is that we have to investigate whether this is something that is a mental illness or is it a spiritual illness as well? Is it something that can be handled through confession, through a change of life, through avoiding sin, through a desire for holiness? All of that is very powerful and something that has to be taken very seriously when it comes to our, uh, our spiritual growth and our mental health. And He comes and He teaches us that how we can be released from all of this. And then through His death, dying, He, he dies, He takes the punishment, the penalty of sin on Himself. He takes that penalty. But by His death, He destroys death. By His death, He destroys death so that, yes, we die in the flesh, but we don't die the eternal death. And He destroys that death and He, and he rises from the dead and He sends His Holy Spirit upon us. 
and upon us in the way that He creates the church. And then the church becomes the place where people come to continue to receive the forgiveness of their sins. And that comes through that door, which I said is the door of repentance, entering into the church. The only door you can enter through is the door of repentance. And that door is open to everyone, regardless of age, regardless of race, regardless of gender. Even, we can say, like we saw last week in the story of the woman, the sinful woman, it doesn't even matter how evil you think you are. That door is open and that forgiveness is complete to anyone and to everyone. Do you have a question, ma'am? Is there a what? Does it regard on religion? I, I'm, I'm not quite sure I understand, but I'm going to come to you afterwards. We'll talk about it. Okay, remember your question. So now, he actually reminds me of myself, because when I was young, I would be that kid that would raise my hand. Like, Buna, I remember Gubriel Abdus Sayed would ask a question in Jersey City, like, how can we do that? And then I would raise my hand. So. But I'll, I'll come to you after Liturgy Maddie. So now we have the church who is giving to us, that's continuing the ministry of God, the ministry of Jesus Christ, granting us the forgiveness of our sins. And that's where we get the priesthood, and that's where we get confession, that's where we get baptism, and that's where we get the Eucharist, like I mentioned. My last point, who are the heroes of this story? Who, other than Jesus Christ, who are the heroes here? Who are the heroes? The friends. The friends of the sinner who opened the roof and let him down. Do we care enough about those around us who are suffering to do something courageous and heroic like this? What can we do that's courageous and heroic? What can we do that's courageous and Have we ever thought... For someone who's suffering, however, thought, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to pray the midnight hour for that person. I'm going to stand in front of God asking Him to have mercy on this other person. I'm going to fast Wednesday and Friday for myself and for this other person in, in, in humbling myself, humiliating myself. Have we ever thought about that? Have we ever thought about uh, what we do with our lives? spending time with the person who is suffering. I'm going to take time away from the things that I need to do in order to be with that person who needs help. But most importantly, I go and I pray for that person in front of God. I light candles. I can even give donations in the name of this person, believe it or not. And say, please God, this isn't for me. This is for that other person. Because we they walked for the person who couldn't walk. And they did things for that person, and this was their faith. We can do the same thing for the one who can't pray, for the one who's finding it difficult to go to church, for the one who is finding it uh, unable for them to move in their spiritual lives. We can say, we're going to do it for them. And let me tell you, in the fathers like John Climacus and others, they would say there's three types of repentance. There's repentance for your own sins. And there's repentance... For the sins of others in a way that you're saying, God have mercy on them. But he said there's a third level, which is repenting for those sins as if, as if they were your own. As if they were your own. 
And, and, and to add to that the stories of the, of the fathers. One time there was a, a father with his disciple. And the father, for some reason, for some reason, some, the devil was working. That father put it in his head that he's going to go to the, to the village and he's going to commit a sin. And so he goes and he gets himself ready and the disciple says, no, 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 don't, uh, don't go whatever you need. I'm going to go get, he says, I don't need you to get me anything. I'm going to. He says, but why? I'm the one that always, the, the, the disciple says, I'm the one that always gets you the, the food. I'm, the always, I'm always the one that gets you your supplies. I can go. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to go. And he goes. And the disciple is curious. So he follows. And he sees the, the father go in and come out of a place that was a place of sin. He went in and he came out after having committed it depressed. He runs to the father. He says, Father, forgive me. I sinned. I did this sin. And he, and he made it up that he did the same sin. He said, I did this sin. Please Please, I need your help. And the father said, come, you and me, and let us repent together. And the disciple repented as if he had committed that sin along with the father. And the father told him, look, anyone comes looking for me, you tell him I'm dead. I'm no longer alive. And he sits in the cave and he's, or, or in, the, in, the, in, in the place, and he lives the rest of his life committing this sin. And to prove to him that his repentance has been accepted, one of the people in the village received the vision that the father was still alive, that he wasn't dead. And he brought his sick child and brought him to the, to the... And he said, I want to see this father. The disciples said, the father is no longer here. He's dead. He's no longer... He says, no, no, I saw a vision. He's in there. Went inside, uh, got the father out. The father was able to heal this child. All of this, the point being, who's the hero of the story? The disciple. And we can do this in our lives. We can do this in our lives, bringing people to Christ. We don't know. It's not going to happen one day, two days. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes commitment. It takes us for us to say, I'm, I'm going to do this for the sake of this person. This is the hero of the story, and this is based on faith. Christ, who is the forgiveness of our sins, granting us each and every one of us, not just each and every one, he is granting it to the entire world, the forgiveness of their sins. He comes to open wide the doors of the church where people can enter and receive this forgiveness of sins. He gives us the sacraments as a tool, as a means, as a method for us to draw closer to Him because He is the forgiveness of our sins. And that we have to be models and like the heroes of this story we have to call those who are far away we have to seek after those who are far away and if we can't reach them with our words and with our logic and which with our convincing we reach them with our prayers we reach them with our prayers may god allow this story to take root in our hearts and may we live by these teachings and may we always grow week by week knowing Him more, learning about Him more, and drawing closer to Him who is the forgiveness of our sins. To Him be the glory, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever in teachable ages. Amen. Amen.